music is really connected with the way that I feel spirituality. I love being able to see other people be moved and, and touched by pieces in the same way. You can have people come up to you after a performance and say they've had this cathartic experience because of something that they felt during the show. Yeah, it's a very special thing to be able to witness. That's Patrice Topoki speaking, and if you're a musical theatre fan, you may have seen her on stage before. Patrice has been a part of the entertainment industry since she was a girl, performing cultural shows with her family as a child, and her first musical, The King and I, at age seven. After graduating from Whopper, a prestigious performing arts school in Western Australia, Patrice went on to play a number of dream roles such as Nala in The Lion King, Elphaba in Wicked, Belle in Beauty and the Beast, and Fontaine in Les Mis. A wife and mum of four, Patrice has performed across Australia, Singapore, Dubai and London's West End. In this episode, Patrice shares what it's like to have a career in the arts and how her faith in God has influenced her life. At the time of recording, she'd just arrived in Melbourne with her theatre company to rehearse for the upcoming production Moulin Rouge. I'm your host, Maddie Sterling, and this is Choosing Faith, a podcast where we talk with members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and explore what it's really like to live and continuously choose a life of faith across Australia and New Zealand. Today, Patrice is joining me from quarantine in Melbourne. Hello, Patrice. Welcome. I'm so sorry you're stuck indoors. Oh, look, it's not too bad. It's quite cold here in Melbourne, so I'm happy to be inside and warm. Fair enough. We are talking winter in Melbourne. Are you in a hotel? Are you all in a hotel? Um, most of us are here in a hotel. Uh, there's some people that are Melbourne-based, and so they're able to be in their home and quarantining. Right now, you're preparing for Moulin Rouge. Is that right? That's right. We are due to um, start performances, yeah, coming up very soon. Is this kind of the most recent big production you've done in a while? Because was there anything happening last year or was it kind of all on hold? Pretty much all around the world, there was no musicals happening uh, because of everything that happened with COVID. I think there may have been a couple of places throughout Asia that were able to implement really quickly, uh, like temperature testing and masks, and they were working at like 50% capacity theatres so that they could continue. But um, I know in our country, everything pretty much stopped. So we're all very excited to be um, heading back into theatres. There have been some productions already that have opened and played and some of them have had to endure lockdowns. And so, yeah, we're hoping that the new normal will mean that everyone's able to um, get back to the theatre really soon. I saw a really funny skit with Lin-Manuel Miranda and uh, Jimmy Fallon where they were singing with all the Broadway stars and it was like, Broadway's back because I think they've just announced their opening date. Yeah, um, New York's very excited to be getting back and um, I know that Moulin Rouge will be opening over there soon after us. I think we'll be the first ones back on the stage, but they'll they'll come um, soon after and, of course, they were open and running before COVID happened um, and had to shut down over this whole period. But, um, yeah, they'll be back open soon enough too. Must be all very exciting for everyone. So I wanted to talk a little bit about just to start off with who you are and how you kind of came to be in this position. I know you come from a very musical family, a family of entertainers. You were born in New Zealand. How old were you when you moved to Australia? 
So I was about two when my family moved over uh, to Australia from New Zealand. Uh, and I, along with my siblings, travelled around with our parents and uh, they were performers for the Arts Council. We grew up touring with them and and we sort of saw what life was like as entertainers. Our grandparents as well were and are also performers and so uh, that was just part of our lives and what we knew. And now we've all pretty much continued on that path. So it's fun to be able to share share that love with each other. So was it a bit of uh, singing, dancing, acting, all of the above? When you, What kind of shows were you putting on? So my parents mostly did a Polynesian show and so it was um, there was a lot of culture both from New Zealand and the Polynesian Islands. Uh, Dad played guitar and like lots of cultural instruments in the show um, both mum and dad danced and did traditional dances from all those islands and then they sang together as well. And so for us growing up, we sang, we danced, we played instruments, we just did it all. Do you have any favourite memories from this time? I mean, there must be so many. Um, a lot of my memories sort of blur from when I was growing up, but I remember the fun we had together with my siblings. We'd often be in a different town each day in a different town hall or, or school gym and and we would, you know, get up to mischief, but <laughs> <laughs> we'd also, um, yeah, just have a lot of fun. It was also tricky, you know, growing up because we'd often long to have, you know, a stable home and friends and toys and the things that you would get if you might just be in the one home growing up. Um, and so sometimes we would feel like we missed out on that. But now reflecting on it, the fact that we got to all be together was so much better than, you know, being able to just be in one home and have toys but not have our parents with us or something, you know, like... I'm so glad that we were able to spend that time together. Yeah, way better than just sitting in a room with an iPad. Was there a point where <laughs> you realized, hey, like my parents do this for a living, I want to do it too? Or was it more gradual? I knew that I always enjoyed everything about the arts, the, the singing, like the making music, the dancing, the adrenaline rush of, you know, going on. And, and so I never sort of questioned that that joy or that love. I did my first musical when I was seven and that sort of sent me along that path, I guess, of, of musicals specifically uh, because growing up, you know, we did more gigs. So that was really, really fun for me to be able to step into that music theatre world and and try on, you know, characters and, you know, the proscenium theatre as opposed to, I don't know, a pub or, a, you know, on stage at a festival or something, you know, it's a very different environment. But I remember when I was younger and, and my parents were touring and, and we were with them one day, my mum wasn't well. And so she didn't go on for one of the songs that she was supposed to sing with my dad. And my dad started singing and he was singing his usual part, which was the harmony part. <laughs> <laughs> and I was backstage with mum going, that doesn't sound right. I'm going to go on. Okay, mum, I'm just going to go on. <laughs> so I just walked out in front of all these school kids and started singing the melody. And, and of course, I don't think my dad was surprised at all. But, um, you know, we'd all heard these songs so many times we knew knew them like the back of our hand so but I remember that that adrenaline of 
of going, okay, well, I'm needed and I know what to do, so I'll just go and do it. And then that satisfaction of being able to achieve that. And so, yeah, I guess I now do that for a living. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cool. As you were kind of exploring different roles and I know you've recorded some music by yourself as well, did you feel that your heritage played a part in your music at all? I know that you've got Maori heritage and Irish and Chinese, is that right? Yeah. So thanks to DNA testing, we've had some confirmation that there's there's some Chinese in our family as well. And that's all still being explored, but it sort of answers some questions that that we had already. And, and it's really exciting to think that our family tree is bigger than what we originally may have thought. But yeah, in terms of um, my music and, and what I do with that heritage, I'm still really open to it influencing my my life and my career even more. Uh, I know growing up we did a lot of cultural things and then going to drama school and, you know, trying out for specific shows. Sometimes I would try and, you know, switch that off or not acknowledge where I came from because that might get me out of the running for being considered for a role that might be more Caucasian or, you know, not typically for someone of colour. But it's exciting that, you know, society and and music theatre world is starting to embrace multiculturalism more and and not feeling restricted to um, casting in just one way. It's actually something that I'm really excited about being a part of Moulin Rouge is the level of diversity within our company and um, just how much everyone is encouraged to embrace who they are and to be true to that and, and bring that to whatever you're doing. That is exciting. Rather than trying to fit into the Caucasian mould, I'm glad that they're, they're heading that way. Maybe Hamilton is doing something for the musical theatre game, changing the way that songs are structured to, I don't know, what do you think about that? Is it yeah. does that influence Australia at all? I, I think very much it's influenced the whole industry. And, I mean, broader than the industry because it's been such a huge success across the world and across the board. Yeah, I think Hamilton has a lot to do with the direction that our industry has gone. And good on them, like good on Lin-Manuel, good on like the creative team <clears throat> that has supported this structure to be able to, for us to then, you know, all learn from and, and encourage in our circles. Yeah, what an amazing ripple effect they're having. Going back to your first role was The King and I, mm-hmm. then you went to a musical theatre school or drama school in WA. That's a pretty prestigious school. People talk about it a, a lot. How was that and how did that springboard you into your roles? So I was quite young when I went over to WAPA, which is a, a Bachelor of Arts and Music Theatre course that I did in WA. Um, and, yes, they're a very prestigious school. Um, I've had a lot of um, talented people come through there and go on to illustrious careers. Hugh Jackman was a whopper boy, though he didn't do our course. He was involved with, you know, the same staff and the same, you know, level of training. And Lisa McCune and, yeah, <clears throat> a whole bunch of people. So I was really excited to get in there. And I moved over. I just turned 17 and finished high school. So um, that was some really formative years in my life. Um, but 
great that I could learn, uh, you know, spend that time doing what I loved and and be out in the world. And then, yeah, straight after WAPA, I went into um, a production of We Were Rocky, which was touring at the time. And that was a complete contrast to what I'd sort of stereotypically done at WAPA. I was sort of typecast as a soprano. And so then to come out and do a rock show and <laughs> Sort of um, was great for me. It was great for me to, you know, just seeing a totally different style and get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Absolutely. And you know, they that was a time to like a new grad just to try something different, and I did, and and it suited me. So yeah, that was a great learning learning curve. And then I um then I went into the Lion King, which is a beautiful show to be a part of. Loved it very much. And at the same time as doing Lion King, I was also uh, part of a recording group, which had me really busy. And I was also getting engaged and planning a wedding. And so it was a really busy time in my life. That's nuts. Yeah. It was awesome though. I, I'm often really busy. So that's just sort of how, how I've always been. And yeah, nothing's changed really. <laughs> <laughs> What is it like to audition for a role, and particularly when you were first starting out as a new grad? Was it really competitive? Could you walk me through that process? Because in my mind, people say, you know, don't go into anything that's creative because it's too hard to get a job. Mm. Did you find that? Yeah, look, it is really competitive. Um, And especially in Australia, like, because the standard is so high, you... Yeah, you really got to be on your game and and feel confident in yourself to be able to to just do your best. But I guess I've always felt like I am my own flavor, <laughs> <laughs> and so so like if I'm nowhere near what they want, then it's pretty obvious to them that I just sort of don't fit into what their overall picture is, which is fine. Um, and that's all I can ever be is is who I am. You just sort of got to trust in that 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 all you can do is your best and that there's no one else exactly like you um so you just got to do you and then hope that um if it's what they want then you'll get the part and if not then the right thing will come along and so when you were that new grad were you just keeping an eye out for musicals and productions that were coming out or did you because you're already in the scene you had people telling you hey there's a new audition here so um, normally when you graduate from drama school, you do a, a showcase and hopefully some of the agents will come along to those showcases and if you're lucky, you'll get an agent out of it, uh, which I did. Um, and so that's how I was able to, um, I guess, know what was going on in the industry and he was able to put me forward for, for shows and for opportunities that were coming up. And over time, I've, you know, changed agents, but that is really helpful to have someone that's on your side that knows you and is able to go in and, and sell you to the casting agent before you even get in the door. A lot of the time, it's so hard to get in the door. So if you have someone that can, can just get you in that first step, then you have an opportunity to prove yourself. Okay. That's interesting. I, th- I, I figured it would be tied to an agent somehow, but yeah, just getting there. <laughs> Getting there is the first hurdle, it seems like. Mm-hmm. So, Lion King's one of your first, and you've obviously done 
many since then, Les Mis, Wicked, which was my first musical as a like 14 year old or something. And it just changed my world. (laughs) Can you narrow anything down? Like, do you have a favorite role or have they all been special in their own way? They've all been special and it's special times in my life. In my life, <laughs> I guess I feel like I've lived a lot of lives. But, You've played um, a lot of roles, a lot of characters. That must be confusing. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, they've all been very special, and and that's what's so great, I guess, about about doing this is that you get to try new things and new companies and and tell new stories um, along the way. And, you know, with Wicked, as well as being an amazing show and, um, you know, part to play and company to work with, I was also pregnant for, you know, almost six months of my first contract. And then when I came back, I had my eldest with me um, along (laughs) for the ride. So that made it extra special too, you know. Gosh, (laughs) that would have been. So were you singing while fairly pregnant? In the end, yeah. <laughs> Does that impact you in terms of how far you uh, can reach? And you- in, in terms of like vocal range, it didn't impact me at all. It was more wearing corsets and things that were oh, okay. sort of restrictive. But our wardrobe team was so amazing that they were literally adjusting my costumes every week, which I was so grateful oh. for just so that I could, <laughs> could breathe. Um, <laughs> like in the olden days where they would let out your corset bit by bit. <laughs> yeah. But by the end, I, I don't think there was any further that those costumes could go. So it was it was time to bow out. Yeah, it was really an adventure. I mean, singing that role is an adventure in itself, let alone getting to do it when you've got a little baby inside you. Um, but, yeah, then when I went back to Wicked, so – so, yeah, I was with the original company of Wicked as an alphabet understudy and ensemble in Melbourne. And then um, I left right towards the end of their Melbourne season and had my eldest, Elizabeth. And then the company moved to Sydney and that's where I was based. And so when she was 10 days old, I got a phone call saying, okay, when do you want to come back? Um, oh. Which was great because it gave me something <laughs> to work towards. And so... Yeah, when she was 10 weeks old, I went back in and had a bit of a thing. And then, um, yeah, by the time she was three months, I was back doing four shows a week, which was perfect as a new mum. And and my little baby would just have a green outfit that she would wear backstage and because you'd sit in the makeup chair for like an hour. So I'd just feed her while I was getting painted and then go on and then come back and feed her at interval and then, yeah, do my thing. So. That was really cool and because cause I'd already sung the role in, uh, it wasn't like my brain had to relearn too many new things. Um, it was already in my body and it was a bit of me time in what normally is a time when, you know, mothers don't have much sense of themselves. I mean, me time was literally on the stage and then I'd get off and she'd be mom. So <laughs> and you'd be it, it wasn't that much, but at the time <laughs> it, it, it made a big difference to me. So I had a lot of fun. Yeah, how special. I can see why you'd have fond memories of that role particularly. I I did want to ask a little bit about, and you've touched on it already, how you've been able to juggle being a mom and, you know, raising a family, not just 
oh, yeah, I have kids and I never see them, but actually being present with your children amidst touring and and you've got four kids now, right, and a husband and that's such a a huge part of life as well. Do they come along for the ride with you or do you kind of tour by yourself and then you come home when you can? So normally I don't get anywhere without my kids. That's always the way it's been. Um, Our mutual friend, Hannah Parton, um, actually helped me out last time I was in Melbourne when I was doing Les Mis. She, she was our nanny during the week. And then every weekend, my husband would be here and, and take over with, with our two girls at the time. I could never do any of it without the tribe, you know, our, our family and friends who, um, help and support us. Now we have four. So this is, um, my first time being back at work with our two boys as well. We have two girls and then two boys, and they are full of life. <laughs> um, so at, the, at this stage, they're, they're with their dad, and I just can't wait to be reunited with them again. Um, because of all the COVID restrictions and everything, I haven't been able to see them as often as I would want um, during this period, but I'm hoping that that will end very soon. And then we'll be able to be together again. But I'm so grateful for FaceTime and Zoom and, you know, mobile phones. My oldest has a mobile phone now so I can message her and <laughs> it, um, it definitely helps a lot. Do they have a favourite musical that they talk about? Hmm. They only really know about the musicals that I've sort of taught them about. Um, I know they loved Matilda. They went to see that when that was playing here in Australia. Oh, that was such um, a fun musical. Yes. So they've, they've sung a few of those songs now, um, my girls. And, I mean, they also love Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and Frozen and um, the big blockbusters. But they're very spoiled. Gosh, they've gotten to see a lot. So they're spoiled for choice. <laughs> Apart from you know, juggling, raising a family alongside all the work that you're doing and you're touring, are there any other big challenges that stand out to you with this kind of career? It's not your nine-to-five job, right? Um, I think touring is definitely a challenge that affects not just on-stage cast, but you know, everyone that's involved in these companies, whether it's wardrobe or lighting or mechanics or orchestras. Um, because, you know, it can mean there might be a lack of stability, which I sort of talked about um, when we were growing up. But I think if you're able to work within that sort of structure and and not tie yourself to one ideal way of, of life, then um, it can definitely work for you. You've just got to be open to being a gypsy every now and then. Which is fun too, though. I like the idea of of being in new places every couple of years and seeing different things. I guess there's challenges to all pathways in life and you just got to pick which one works for you, (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) I wanted to to touch on, for me, I feel like music is so interconnected with my spirituality, my sense of how I connect to God and – it's like another language that you can't convey it in words. And although here we are on a podcast trying to talk about these things um, <laughs> with, with words, I feel that, yeah, our sense of the divine can be uh, communicated so much more effectively through music. How 
has your appreciation for music played a role in your spiritual development or your, your testimony? Gosh, I feel like, as you say, like music is really connected with the way that I feel spirituality and the, and the way that I feel, you know, God's presence. But at the same time, I feel like music itself has given me opportunities to be in and appreciate circumstances that are a lot bigger than myself and, and acknowledge that, you know, that presence. I think you're right in that, to me as well, it, it, it's like music is a language that doesn't limit as much as words do in terms of expression and in terms of feeling. And I, I love it when other people are able to experience that level of emotion or that, that level of heightened feeling through music. Um, I know that I get that out of it, but I love being able to see other people be moved and, and touched by, by pieces in the same way. I've seen that through productions that I've been a part of and, I, and I've seen it through like getting to work so closely with um, amazing musicians and amazing work in itself. You know, you, you can have people come up to you after a performance and say, I feel different now, like my life, like they've had this cathartic experience because of something that they felt during the show or during that song or, or you know, whatever it might be that is a lot bigger than, than me or a lot bigger than just the bodies on stage. Um, and that's pretty amazing to hear when people do share that with us. Yeah, it's a very special thing to be able to witness. Almost like you're the the facilitator of, of that special feeling or that special experience. Obviously, you are very talented and if someone who can't sing got up, they probably wouldn't have the same effect, but you're able to create that experience with someone. That's really special. Yeah, there's there's often times where I don't I may not feel up to the challenge of whatever it is that I'm supposed to be doing or you know whatever I feel like I should be achieving and often that'll be the time where I just go okay just let me be the vessel and you do your thing <laughs> please um because yeah the message that everyone needs to hear is a lot greater than I what I can ever do by myself Actually reminds me, I got together with some friends last night, not trying to suck up to you or anything, but we <laughs> did watch Les Mis last night. We'd been talking about it for ages. You know, I've seen the, awesome. the film and I've seen the production, but we watched it again and I was just reminded of how moving and heartbreaking, but also spiritually inspiring that tale is of, you know, you've got Jean Valjean's character arc and it's all about redemption at the end that line where he says to love another person is to see the face of god and we were just taken aback by how spiritual the the storyline is and i imagine there must be some productions that you get involved in where you really are able to see god kind of in the stories or in the characters that you're playing is there any kind of story that stands out to you like that? I mean, you you played Fontaine. Did you kind of feel that in that production? Mm. Yeah, definitely, especially because in that last scene I came back as an angel yeah. or as, you yeah, know, true. my um, resurrected self in a, in a big, long, white, flowing dress and helped, you know, escort Jean Valjean, whether it be metaphorically or whatever, you know, out of his 
old and frail body to his place with the heavens, singing with all the dead people in the finale. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, the, it was hard to hard to avoid that every night, you know. And gosh, we had some some times when the world had seen tragedy, um, and you know, then we'd come into work and and sing those songs that night, and just we'd all be you know, heartbroken, but at the same time it would it would be like therapy for us all and for the audience and exhausting, but um, really uplifting to be a part of something like that. And because of Fontaine's story, you know, she, she had it rough. She well could have, you know, haunted Jean Valjean or, you know, blamed him for, for firing her and, you know, for not taking better care of her. But the fact that she forgave and, you know, there's a lot of forgiveness towards the end of the tale. And so it was definitely um, a therapeutic and an uplifting experience for, for us and for, for people who watched as well. Mm, interesting. What is it about music that helps us find that peace and that joy, even when things are really crappy? <laughs> music can help us escape. It can help us rise above it can help us feel when we need to. It can, you know, inspire us to get through. Yeah, and I know that there's been times when I didn't necessarily have the words, but music has helped me to, to bridge the gap between, you know, where I was and, and where I wanted to be. Mm. With all your touring and your, your hectic schedule, I imagine it must be difficult to serve in your callings in the traditional way if you're not around all the time. And I wanted to see... Do you feel like through your music you are like providing a service that, that it kind of is your calling in to life? serve in your typical way through a church calling when I'm on the road and and then every other waking moment is spent with my family and my kids. Last time though, last time I was on the road because we were in like Melbourne and Sydney, we were here for I think six months at a time, and so we were able to to teach like on assignment, but you know that something that helped give us a focus and helped to, you know, mean we could get more involved with those other members in our ward. But often it would be my husband taking the reins because he's good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Do you find it challenging to be a member in this industry? I've always felt very, very blessed to always find supportive people in whatever circumstances I find myself in you know when I was at WAPA when in different companies that I've been a part of I've always found support for for myself and and the choices that I make and I hope to be able to provide that support for any friends around me in whatever choices they make in their life that they wouldn't feel judged by me in the same way I would hope not to be judged by them. I'm actually really pumped about this company. I'm working with two other members, which I never have done before. Um, like I've never been in a show with, with other people of the same faith. So it's really cool. And like, yeah, it's just interesting to have that shared knowledge and history between us, you know. Someone who just understands why you might want to have a Sunday morning to yourself. That must be really um, comforting. And it's interesting having spoken to both of them, and feeling the same, like we all felt like this is where we're meant to be right now, 
even though the world is troubled and we all feel troubled in one way or another, we feel like we're in the place that God wants us to be. And so to know that, you know, you've got someone in your corner there is, is really nice. Yeah, that's pretty special. Probably something that you'll look back on with fond memories in future. Now, before we finish up, I just wanted to ask you, do you have any advice for those who might be wanting to go into musical theatre or some kind of career in the arts? What should they be doing? Uh, my mother was a very encouraging person. She had us doing everything, and that would be my advice to anyone who wanted to get into music theatre or, you know, um, music singing is to just do it. Just get some experience, get some good teachers, you know. Education is so important and it can help you to to learn how to take care of yourself and, and hone your skills and your craft so that when you put in, you know, audition situations and um, performance situations which, you know, your adrenaline goes up and, and your awareness might not be as focused when you're in those circumstances that you've got good technique to fall back on so that you can um, have the muscle memory to do what you need to do without being shaken by the circumstances. Um, yeah, get experience, do exams, do a Stetson's, um, be in your school choir, and especially for girls, do dance lessons because it'll just open so many more doors to be able to um, go for more roles, be seen for more shows and get more experience. Cool. Thank you. Is there a musical that you haven't done that you would really like to do? I would love to, like, do Town. Oh, yeah. Hamilton, Evita. I'd love to do a Fosse show. For so many years, I've always gone, no, I'm happy. You know, I've done all my dream shows and now I'm like, okay, now I need to actually make a list and start, you know, trying to make it happen again. I could see you uh, in Hamilton that, yeah, you could be one of the Skylar sisters. And then your daughters would probably, their brains would explode because they'd be like, well, mum's in Hamilton, now what do we do? <laughs> well, I don't know if you know, my sister is the MD of the Australian production of Hamilton. Oh, That's already no. the coolest thing ever. So I, I don't think I could so top that cool. just by being in the cast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, How like, did she get that? Because uh, she's amazing. But I went to opening night and just couldn't, I mean, the company were amazing, but I couldn't stop watching her either because it's a total dream to be up <laughs> directing that ship. Yeah, what a dream. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation, hearing about your career, hearing about your love for music, how that's shaped your life and how it's influenced your faith too. Let's end with the final question, which always relates to the title of this podcast, Choosing Faith. While musical theatre might be a dream gig and you're living this wonderful life. I know that you've had difficult times in the past as well as we all do. So in the face of these and moving forward, what does choosing faith mean to you? Um, it's interesting that you, you've named your podcast Choosing Faith because I really feel like it is a choice. And then I feel like once you've made that choice, the hard work is done and then you can just get on with whatever, you know, the task is at hand. I mean, we're all human and so we all waver in to different extents, but remembering that you've made that choice helps you go, okay, well then I already did that, so 
let's just sort of keep going. I do feel like I've been blessed with this reserve of inner peace that helps me, especially in the difficult times. You know, like, for example, last year, my husband had a really big fall and and broke lots of bones and, um, you know, was in a halo for three months and, you know, life was sort of flipped on its head for quite a while. And talking to a lot of people, both then and, and now, they say, oh, you must have been really frightened. Like, it must have really shaken you up. And I don't know if it's just that understudy mindset in me that's <laughs> used to adrenaline or what, but I was, like, surprisingly calm through what could have sent me over the edge. You know, we believe that, you know, we can have the Holy Ghost to be with us. And I feel like he's definitely been with me through a lot of hard times. I've never felt like I can't handle whatever might be coming my way. Thanks for tuning in today and supporting this podcast. While COVID is yet again proving to ruin all the fun things in life, do keep an eye out for the Australian premiere of Moulin Rouge, which is due to start performances in Melbourne very soon. If you're lucky, you may catch Patrice playing the role of Satine. If you know anyone whose story you'd like to hear on this podcast, you can get in touch with me on Facebook or Instagram using the handle Choosing Faith Podcast. Catch you next time.